thinking about this, uh, we've done a number of, of retreats and I've gotten, by the grace of God, uh, the opportunity to speak at camps and conventions and we've done all these things. And when I get to do all those things, there's usually these portions where you know, kids are praying about their future and that's one of the things as a teenager that you're terrified about, just the future. What am I gonna do for the rest of my life? Especially as you're getting into the later years of high school, this is a real trembling fear of like, I have to decide my entire life by the time I graduate. And so they're trying to figure all these things out. And uh, we talk a lot about God's purpose. And uh, one of my frustrations sometimes is when we have these kind of big events and we're praying, uh, all these kids, they, they cry out for this purpose in God. And, and I love it. But a lot of times what you hear is all these kids saying, well, I know what God's called me to. And it's usually like one of two things, pastoring or, or missions. And I have nothing against it. Obviously, I'm a pastor. I love that. And I, we support missions in an unbelievable way. But I have a hard time believing everybody in that room was called to go to foreign missions and everybody in that room was called to pastoring. And I think sometimes uh, when it comes to God's purpose, I think we paint it wrong or at least we interpret it wrong because God's purpose is, is not just an issue sometimes for high school kids, but I think all of us at some point in our life and our journey with God or even in our just own personal walk, we're trying to figure out, well, what's our purpose in life? It's a very common and frustrating question for many believers. What is my purpose in life? What did God bring me on this earth for? And I think one of our major problems with this question is our assumptions about purpose and the views that we have about ourselves. For example, I think sometimes the assumptions we have is that we think God's purpose is always this grand and spectacular thing. We, we, we measure God's purpose, and greatly so, God is always grand and spectacular, but we think his purpose for us it has to be huge, right? And so my purpose for me is not to, you know, minister to one young person. I'm called to preach to billions, right? Uh, I'm called to revolutionize the world. And my purpose is to be someone great. And we even pray that over people, God, that they would be great and that you would do these marvelous things. And so we paint this huge picture of purpose. And we think, well, in order for it to be God's purpose, it has to be on a great, huge scale. And the problem sometimes when you follow that line of thinking is that as we begin to look at those grand purposes and those grand gestures, and then we look at ourselves, inevitably there's a sense of, you know what, I'm just not good enough for that. Because how we view ourselves is usually opposite of how we view God's purposes. We don't think we're adequate enough to do something like that. We don't feel like we have enough experience or, or we've done enough in our lives or we look at our past and think, well, that disqualifies me or, or we look at our age and say, I'm too young or I'm too old and, and we look at ourselves and we think, I can't be great. I can't do anything large and marvelous. But what if none of that matters? That's kind of what I want to touch on. What if um, not all callings are this grand and you know, insurmountable mountain. What if not everybody was called to be a foreign missionary? Now listen, don't get me wrong. I do believe everybody's called to make disciples. I do believe everybody is called to preach the gospel, but not every teenager can have my job, okay? I need to feed my family. And so some of them are gunning for it and I see them, but I've outlasted 11 years worth of teenagers, you know? But I, I, in, in all seriousness, I think a lot of times, and I hear kids, I want your job. I'm like, you better go find another job. Right, but, but you, you hear this and I get it, I get the heart, but you know, 
God called some people to be truck drivers. God called people to be construction workers. God's called people to be preschool teachers. Those are callings still. Those are purposes. God's called people to be youth leaders. Oh, one of, the, one of the scariest callings in life. I mean, you've never been scared out of your mind until you have a seventh grader tell you a story with absolutely no ending. <laughs> just goes. And you're just, now you're like, oh, I'm a parent. I know, no, no. When you're a parent, you have to love them. When this is somebody else's kid, you're like, oh my gosh, I know Jesus wants me to love you, but can this story end, please? Like, and then, and then, and then, and you're like, no, no and then. Like, let's just, let's get to the end, buddy, right? But those are all purposes, right? You know, being a parent, that can be a purpose. And I think sometimes, sadly, you know, especially in where we're at in our generation, we look at, you know, being a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, we look at parenting as, as not a purpose, but just something you got to do. I thank God every day that my mom fulfilled her purpose of being a mom. My mom worked actually for the, the, my older two sisters during their time. She was working and she worked up until me and then I was born. And obviously, how could you work when you have Joey there? But she told me the story actually. What had happened was every night she would uh, go into each of our rooms and she would read to us as we would go to sleep and then she'd tuck us in and we would go to sleep. And so she kind of just did it in order. So she started with my older sister and then she went to Pastor Evelyn. And then at one point, on one night, it was, she was running late. She had got home from work. She had gotten everything set up. And by the time she got us all to bed and she read to my older sister and read to my other sister. And then she came into where I was at and she said she found me completely asleep with the book on my chest waiting for her. And she said, I will never again miss reading to you. And by the grace of God, we were able to do that. Obviously, we had to, you know, we were broke a lot of times, and we didn't have vacations. Um, I don't know what a vacation was. We didn't go to Chuck E. Cheese. We just hunted mice in the house. <laughs> that was the extent of the mouse and the cheese that we had. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's my mother's purpose. I honestly believe that that was my mother's purpose, and I honestly believe that Whatever I do in the ministry is a credit to God, and before a credit to me, it's a credit to my mother and my father for raising me and being able to raise me in the ways of the Lord and teach me the things that God wanted to teach them. And I'm sure if God would have came to my mom uh, before she had her four children and said, this will be your purpose, I, I'm curious as to how she would have reacted. But I want to talk about that for a moment because uh, I want to look at a mom in the Bible, and I want you to notice how she reacted when her purpose was revealed to her. And so if you have your Bibles, I want us to open up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read 10 verses, verse 28 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 through 38. This is the story of Jesus' mother. And it says in verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Gabriel was a messenger angel from God. Bible says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. 
The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth became pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. As I look at this story and I think, wow, an angel comes before you and not only tells you you're about to be a mom, but says you're going to be the mom to the savior of the world, God himself. That's some big pressure. Although, as I was thinking about it, how difficult could it have really been to raise Jesus? You know, like the Bible tells us he never sinned. This must have been the easiest kid to raise in all humanity, right? The only difficult thing would have probably been his brothers and sisters, right? Like Judas and all of them, that's hard. Like living up to that big brother. I mean, some middle children and babies, they already have complexes about the older sibling. But could you imagine Jesus is your older sibling? I just don't think he gave Mary too hard of a time with the exception of kind of running away for a little bit, right? But he couldn't have been that problematic. And yet in this moment, she doesn't know that. In this moment... She is being told that your purpose is to bring the savior of the world into the world. And I want you to notice because for all the things that matter, I believe there are a couple of things that just don't matter when it comes to your purpose and your calling. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, but you know, I think it doesn't matter how you feel about your purpose and your calling. God does not consider or care about your emotions when it comes to your purpose and your calling. Because if you look at this story, the Bible tells us that Mary felt confused, disturbed, and afraid. The angel referred to her as favored. He said, you have found favor with God. I wonder if she immediately felt the opposite. I wonder if when the angel told her that, she thought, how could I be favored? I don't feel like I'm special. I don't feel like I'm talented. This wasn't Mary, the princess of some foreign land. This wasn't Mary, high royalty, or the most beautiful in all the country. She didn't have any of those accolations. This was a teenage girl who wasn't even married yet, who was just engaged, a virgin, and is being told that she's going to have this unbelievable purpose. I still feel uncomfortable when my wife says I look good. I believe her, but it's uncomfortable at times because she says it so much. (laughs) Thank you, my love. But could you imagine God standing before you with all of our insecurities, and we all have insecurities. We all have things we're inadequate with or we struggle with, whether it be our looks, our personality, our life, whatever aspect of us. We all have insecurities. And having an angel stand before you and say, hey, God likes you. And he's got this purpose for your life. And I think sometimes the reason we don't fulfill the purposes that God presents us with is simply because we don't feel like we could either do it, we don't feel like we're worthy, or sometimes we just don't feel like doing it. (laughs) We look at it and say, hey, I have called you uh, to be a nursery worker, and I want you to hold babies every Sunday. And some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm a, I'm a grandma, I've done my baby duty, I've raised my children, I don't even want to raise my grandchildren, like, I'm done. But let me tell you something, 
There is nothing scarier to me than holding a newborn baby. That freaks me out. I feel just I'm too big and I just feel like I'm gonna crush their little head. I feel like they're gonna fall and the parents gonna like murder me. Like there's always this awkward feeling. If you've raised children, that's not a thing. You hold them with two hands and cook and clean and do all these random stuff and reorganize the nursery. And I'm like, you're just skilled at that labor. Why? Because that's your purpose. That's not mine. <laughs> I can't, I love Pastor Evan. I'm praying for her to come back because children's ministry, that's just over my head. You think it's hard to talk to a junior high or try the five-year-old, right? I just, I can't do it. That's not my purpose. But some of you, you have that gifting. You have that talent. I had mentioned junior high, and we got a couple of great junior high leaders that, that are, man, just amazing and have the patience of a saint and love the stories. They don't just listen. They actually enjoy the stories. They think it's funny. And I'm just like, on to it, brother. You go do that thing. But what are they doing? They're fulfilling that purpose. And it doesn't matter if you like it or not. Because I think sometimes we're like, no, no, no. I'm not called to be babies. I'm called to lead worship. Because, you know, that's on the platform and everybody can see me. And, yeah, we can see you, but we could also hear you. And it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's not your purpose. I know you want it to be your purpose, but nobody else does. That's not, that's not what you were called to do. And so the thing is, you got to understand, your feelings are not in the equation of your purpose. How you feel about a certain situation, whether you want to do it, whether you feel good enough to do it, whether you feel qualified to do it, really is irrelevant. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 tells us, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. God is greater than your feelings. He's above your emotions. He's above your insecurities. If he's called you, that should be enough. If he says, listen, I have chosen you, it doesn't matter whether or not you feel like you're good for the job, you have been chosen by God. And it doesn't matter what that job is. And I'll tell you what, if you're not willing to do those little jobs, forget about ever having the great jobs. I remember at one point uh, I was in the youth ministry as full-time for a little while now. And uh, I remember there was a bunch of teens that were picking up chairs and I was kind of standing over to the side and... Uh, Pastor Carlos came over to me. He's like, how come you're not picking up any chairs? I was like, bro, I'm retired from chairs. I've been picking up chairs for 12 years. And he just gave me that Pastor Carlos look. <laughs> oh, you retired from chairs, huh? You retired? I was like, I meant I'm going to go pick up some chairs, Pastor. <laughs> My bad, Pastor. I didn't mean that, right? And listen, we got to be careful because sometimes we feel like we're done. I'm sorry. I, I'm a firm believer if there's air in your lungs, you're not done. And with all due respect, if you feel done, you should be in heaven. If you're not serving, you're either wasting a seat or prolonging your opportunity to be in heaven. You should be in heaven. If you, I've done everything God's called me to do, then there's no reason for you to be on earth. If you've done everything God's called you to do, then you're just taking up a seat. We need to understand my purpose is my purpose. And if God has called me to do something, whether it be handling the camera or, or, or cleaning up or putting up chairs or helping in the nursery or evangelizing at my job, whatever it is, if I'm not fulfilling it, then it's not necessarily you not feeling God. God's not feeling you no more. <laughs> when I was accepted as the youth pastor well over 10 years ago now, I remember uh, my mentor at the time, Pastor John, uh, he sat me down and he explained that they were going to be leaving. And you would think I'd be sad, like, no, why are you leaving us? We love you. We miss you. Honestly, my thought was, oh, man, I don't know how to do this job. 
I don't, I'm not ready for this. I thought I'd be 30 by the time you would leave. I was 24 at the time. God, I can't do this. But I praise God that I didn't care about my feelings. Like most men, I just shoved them way deep down and ignored them. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. God, if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Sometimes we get caught in our feelings and sometimes we get caught in our mind. Because it doesn't matter how you feel, but at the same time, it doesn't matter if you don't understand. Sometimes we, we stop the purpose that God has in our life because of a lack of understanding on our part. We feel like, well, if I don't understand it, if I don't get it, if it doesn't make sense to me, then I'd rather not do it. Well, let me tell you something. God doesn't think the way you think. Most of the things he has you do don't make sense to you. But it's still God's purpose for your life. Listen, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Sometimes the reason we don't serve or we don't fulfill a purpose is because we're sitting here overanalyzing everything. I say this to our students often. It is easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. And so sometimes like, well, I'm not doing anything because I'm trying to discover my purpose. Well, it's easier to discover your purpose when you're doing something. So maybe you start off on the worship team and Pastor Jason realizes quickly that, yeah, this isn't for you. You're not a great you know, musician or singer, but I notice you have an amazing ear for music. We could really use somebody in the sound ministry. Oh no, Pastor, I, I was called to perform. Could you perform in the sound ministry? <laughs> Because you got the ear. I guess you just can't hear yourself, but you got the ear. Can you help us out in the back? Listen, sometimes it takes one thing to lead you to the next. And it doesn't matter if you understand. I, I'm a firm believer that if you're willing and you just start, God will begin to shape you and form you. And again, I didn't start as a youth pastor. I didn't start, you know, right at the top kind of thing. I've literally done every job in this church. I've painted the walls. I used to come as a teenager. I used to come in the summertime and just work with Brother Renee and, and just do a bunch of projects with the maintenance team because I just wanted to be around godly men. I just wanted to be in God's house. And so I would come and I'd set stuff up and I was just mad. I just want to serve. I just want to be here. And that began to lead to other things. And, and then eventually I began to serve as a youth leader, and I was at the bottom of the totem pole, and I was just picking up chairs and, and doing random stuff. And slowly, steadily, as I was faithful with the little, God began to give me more. And I thank God that sometimes I was just, I don't know if I was dumb or just didn't care about the understanding, but I was just happy to do whatever God's called me to do. By the grace of God, I've never asked once to speak anywhere. I've never told, and listen, in the pastoring world, you get a lot of guys that do that, that want to slip you their card, and hey, you should have me come out to speak, and that's a big red flag that I will never let you do that, like, because you're looking for a platform, you're not looking to build God's kingdom, and by the grace of God, I've never asked anybody if I can speak on their platform. People have invited me, and I thank God, and I'm humbled by that opportunity, and I never understood it, but I always said yes. My philosophy was always, if I can, I will. And that's always led me into God's purposes. Listen, church, understanding is not a prerequisite for faith. It doesn't matter if you understand. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Often it's our own mind and our own perceptions that prevent us from becoming who we've been called to be. And sometimes when you overthink it, it freaks you out. I was thinking about this, one of my youth leaders um, 
a while back, she got saved right at the end of her high school, just barely came to breakaway, found Jesus, and we plugged her right in. Now, I could see, and God was beginning to show me the potential that this individual had. She couldn't see it, not in the slightest. So we started her small, not to freak her out, not to scare her away. And we gave her little responsibility, and every time we'd add her a little more. And I tell you, every time we took her up a level, she cried. Like, not like fake cry, like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and weep for a little while, and then I'm going to come back. And I was okay with that because she still stepped up. And now she basically is, is, is the new Mark in, in our youth ministry. And I don't know how Mark feels about that. He's got a certain type of way. He likes to come over and, and mess with her. But she does so much for our youth ministry. And she serves in so many capacities simply because she never allowed her lack of understanding to interfere with her faith. Young people, I want to make sure that I encourage you guys. You don't have to wait till you graduate to be leaders and to serve. God has called you to do that. An older generation, it doesn't matter if you feel like, well, you know, I'm just not with these times or I don't. It doesn't matter. God has a way of using people who are willing to be used. It doesn't matter not just your emotions and your understanding, but your past and your current situation are irrelevant. When it comes to God's purposes in your life, your current and past situations are irrelevant. When Mary is presented with this incredible opportunity and this incredible purpose, one of the first things she says is, I'm a virgin. My current status is not equipped to handle the purpose that you've called me to. Sometimes when we're called to our purposes, we take an evaluation of ourselves and we say, where I'm at now, there's no way I could do that. Who I've been, what I've gone through, that disqualifies me from doing what you've called me to do, God. There's no way I could participate in that. There's no way I could step up in that. You don't understand my life. But Jeremiah chapter one, verse five says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. That purpose that we've been talking about, that was established before your past. That was established before your current situation. That was established before your first breath. Before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew you and had a purpose and a plan for your life that he set apart specifically for you. So that tells me whatever you've done in your past is irrelevant. The old is gone, new has come. That tells me that whatever your current situation does not disqualify you from your future purpose that God can still use you, that your past or current situation have no bearing on God's purpose in your life. As a matter of fact, we're echoing that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because it was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, church, I think that often the very thing that you believe disqualifies you is the very thing that God sees in qualifying you. A lot of times we want to hide our past. We want to hide our pain. And it's that past and pain that allows you to bridge a gap between you and another individual. Because sometimes people won't hear it unless they hear it from someone who's gone through it. Sometimes that's the reward. I can't be a youth leader because, you know, I never had a father growing up or I had bad relationships or I was wild in high school. Perfect. Come and be an example of exactly what not to be. 
Or you get the opposite. Well, you know, I was, I can't really, I was, I was always a goody goody and I didn't do perfect. Come be an example of what God can do in your life. Like, regardless, we need those examples. We need those opportunities to serve and be a part of it. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a guy. How am I going to serve, you know, with children's ministry? They need guys more than any ministry in our church. Men, honestly, if I can hear your ear for a second, if I can have your ear for a second, all the men in this church, children's ministry is probably the greatest need for men in all churches. Right now, 40% of every child born in the United States is born without a father. You don't think they need a godly man to look up to? Even if it's just standing by the door, even if it's just teaching, you know, the curriculum to some five-year-olds, you don't think they need men to just be an example in there and show them what a godly man is supposed to look like? Being a man doesn't disqualify you from children's ministry. It uniquely qualifies you. But if you go back there right now, I guarantee you the overwhelming majority of our workers are women. And that's not bashing women, but... We, again, we have these stereotypes in our mind that certain purposes are for certain people. And that's true, but only in God's eyes, not yours. He's the one that determines who the certain people are. And it's not based on gender. We need all people to serve in all capacities. And I guarantee you, if everybody stepped up and served in one way or another, we'd all get it. I love my brother Stan. Where's Stan? Stan's on the camera in the back. Stan helps us out every Thursday, every Thursday, him and Jesse. My boy in the front, him and Jesse, two dads. Jesse's got a kid in our youth ministry. Stan's had his children long graduate from Excel. But they come and they do security for us every Thursday night. And we don't need heavy seats. They're not like armored guards or anything like that. Most of our kids are just picking their noses as they walk in. It's not that crazy of a thing. But you know what they do? They assure our parents that their kids are going to be safe. They handle any awkward situation that may arise at the door. They give a presence of fathers that care. I thank God every day for those two men, just for standing at a door, honestly, most of the time talking baseball. (laughs) But sometimes being present matters more than everything else. See how you feel and what you understand, what you've done, none of that matters. Let me tell you what matters as we get ready to close. Luke chapter 1, those last two verses, verse 37 to 38. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Three things mattered. There's all these things that didn't matter, but three things mattered. One, humility. I'm the Lord's servant. It's not about what I want. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I understand. I am the Lord's servant. No matter what the purpose, I'm God's servant. I don't complain or compare. I do as the Lord leads me. A servant doesn't argue with a master. A servant doesn't say, I don't want to do that job. A servant says, yes, Lord. Whatever you want, I'm willing to do. Humility matters. Faith matters. She said, may everything you have said about me come true. It's easy to be confident when your confidence is in the Lord. May everything you said about me be true, God. In other words, it doesn't matter what I said about me. It doesn't matter what other people have said about me. 
It doesn't matter what my own parents have said about me. Listen, I, I love my parents to death, but when I told my dad I was going to be a pastor, first thing he said was, but you didn't go to seminary. You can't be a pastor. And I remember second-guessing, but like, well, can I not be a pastor? Does that disqualify me? But again, he, it was on his limited scope and experience of what he thought a pastor would be. But I couldn't pay attention to what he said. I had to listen to what my heavenly father would say. You have to have faith in what God has spoken to you. And you have to pay attention to God's word. The word of God will never fail. If God said it, that's enough. When God speaks to you, either through the written word or through the Holy Spirit, remember that the word of God will never fail. You hold on to that promise and you move. There are times where I royally messed up as a youth pastor. There are people's lives that I've affected in a very negative way because I've made mistakes. And I'll be very honest and transparent with you. A lot of people had to suffer with me figuring it out as I went along. And I'm, you know, I haven't had the privilege of having children run around in my personal life, but I'll tell you this, I guarantee you every parent understands that, especially with their first kid, you're just trying to figure it out. And you're praying to God that you do the best you can do. But listen, I held on to God's word in those moments where I felt like I failed, in those moments where I felt like I wasn't good enough, in those moments where I felt like quitting, I held on to God's word and I knew, Lord, you have called me for such a time as this. It's not up to me to quit. It's not up to me to walk away or to do anything other than what you have called me to do. May your word never fail. So here's how we're gonna close. Before I pray for the church, I'm gonna ask you, church, if you can, would you just stand for me? And in a moment, I want to pray for your purpose. I want to pray that you would move from a spectator to a participant. I get that there's some people here, this is your first time, and listen, I'm not trying to bully you into, you know, becoming a youth leader, although, hey. But listen, there are others, being fully transparent, there are others, you've been here years, and you currently are not doing anything. Within the scope of the house of God, you're not doing anything. Some of you, you're relying on, well, you know, I used to serve. That's cool. I used to be skinny. <laughs> Doesn't matter now, does it? <laughs> I used to is not relevant to what God is calling you to do today. Some of you are like, well, you know, I'm just, I, I haven't gotten my life together yet. Well, I don't, if you could have gotten your life together, you probably would have done it by now. So take it to Jesus. <laughs> Well, I, I'm still, you know, caught in this sin. Well, stop sinning. Like, just stop doing it. It's not that easy. For you, yeah, no, of course not. But for God, yes. But I think everybody here is called to serve in some way, shape, or form. Because I guarantee you this, church, if everybody here served, everybody here served, we'd have four or five services on a Sunday. Because the body of Christ would move the way it was called to move. So in a moment, I want to pray for you. But before I do that, I need to talk to those of you who you haven't ever made a decision to have Jesus Christ your personal Savior. You've had that same question. What's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? I'll tell you, before anything else, you were called to be one of God's children. And that doesn't happen at birth, contrary to popular belief. 
we're not all God's children. The Bible is very clear that only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have the privilege of being considered sons and daughters of the Most High. You need to understand there's no purpose if there's no relationship with God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 6, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Your greatest purpose right now is to say yes to Jesus and have a relationship with him. That doesn't mean being a part of this church. That doesn't mean, you know, doing a, it literally just means, hey, before we get into any of that, you got to get to know him. So before I talk to the rest of the church, I'm going to ask you for a moment, would you just bow your head, close your eyes?